Welcome to MPO Sports Podcast, AFL edition. This is Tim. Um, we're leading into finals after this last round of football. And let's face it, in finals, if you're not first, you're last. So let's hope um, the teams, if you're a supporter of, that make the finals, do you well. Because if they come second, they're last. Anyway, my torment, um, it's not on it. My torment's not huge. Um, it's just basically I'm sick and tired of Har- Hardwick. He's a... Uh, well, if um, we didn't have such um, professionalism in this podcast, I'd call him a fuckwit. But I didn't call him a fuckwit. Um, just about time he just shut up, did his job, and stopped attacking people. Um, journalists have a job. Their job is to critique the sport. Yes, defend your players, but he turns everything personal and... Let's see if Richmond continue to go down the path they have this season of not making finals. All of a sudden, his opinions can sink his ship. So let's just stay tuned. Incidentally, I said six weeks ago, put a line through Richmond. So rest my case. So I'm joined by Aaron. How are you going, Aaron? I'm going all right. I'm joined Blowing by Mal. endorsement for Damien Hardwick there. So that's good. That'll get yep. the Tigers fans on side, won't it? Yep. i um, joined by Mel. How are you going, Mel? Okay, you sound really <laughs> flat. Is that because it's the it, the end of the Sinclair season? No, no, I, I've jumped on board. I actually had a purchase from the Sinclair um, merchandise shop the other week. Got a bargain. I got a this season's home jersey and this season's away jersey, all for one hundred and fifty bucks delivered. So I'm quite happy. Seventy five bucks a jersey. Which normally retail at 120. So yeah, I'm, I, I was sort of up enough to do that. <clears throat> and our fourth member, and um, as I continually say on our other uh, version of the podcast, our own Mike Sheehan, Jeremy. How are you going? Oh, good, good, Tim. Pleasure, <clears throat> pleasure to join the, uh, the three of you. Not a problem. So we might as well hit it running with um, Mel's minute of mayhem or her opinion um, segment. And see what she's got to say. Hopefully, she lets some people walk away with their heads still on their shoulders. Let's see what she's got to say. Well, I guys, I just figured after my minutes or months of mayhems recently that I might tone it down a little bit this week. Oh, more of a more of a Caro Zero type of thing, is it, Mel? Jesus, well, don't don't thought, lower your standards to that, Mel. I just thought, you know, we're at the end of the season. Let's maybe do a bit of a cleanse. Let's have a look at some of the things that have pissed me right off this whole year. So let's start with ob- the obvious home and away games for Geelong. And now we're heading into finals, so we know where that's going to go. Um, but I think it may happen to not just Geelong this season. Um the nomination rule, guys, it still exists. Will it be gone at the end of this season? Let's all pray. But the biggest one for me, um, well, obviously, the home and away games is the biggest one for me. But overall, I think for most footy fans is the MRO and the protecting the head. Whilst we must protect the head, I believe that with all my heart and being, and I think everyone agrees, that we need to protect the head. However, whilst we must protect the head, we're also trying to achieve the unachievable. 
There will always be high contact in a contact sport, especially a contact sport that is at the speed and velocity and ferocity that our sport is. Even between two teammates, we see head clashes. This happens quite often. You can't avoid it. You cannot 110% completely remove the concussion injury. That's unfortunate, but it's simply impossible. So what we can control is the intention, the unnecessary non-football actions targeted at the head that cause concussion. But the answer is certainly not removing fundamentals of the game, such as the bump, hip and shoulder, tackles from behind, etc. And I'll, I think I'll spew up if I read one more tweet, absolutely crucifying, especially Geelong players, it seems everyone else forgets the other players that, that commit the same action. Um, but the crucification of these players that are are literally doing football actions that are within the laws of the game. But unfortunately, injuries occur. Now, they have no intention to do it. They're, they're doing a beautifully laid tackle or a, a, a hip and shoulder fair bump. And unfortunately, a head will clash or a head will hit the ground or a head will be slung back and there's an injury and it's unfortunate and we all don't like to see it. Let's get that straight. I definitely don't like to see it, but I just think it's going to be a very, very sad day if we lose those fundamentals. So we just need to be careful and we need to be realistic. Uh, wholeheartedly agree. Um, just, just, just as a point, just a point of difference. Um, I hear a lot. I hear a lot of the comments on social media when Hawkins got off saying how Geelong are a protected species, which is uh, fair, unfair. But matches matches missed through suspension uh, since 2010. Uh, Geelong are on top with 62 matches, followed by Richmond with 57. So. Uh, tell me again if Geelong are protected or not. Um, I'll actually um, comment on that. It just highlights my opinion that Geelong are a bunch of grubs because of the suspension. There you go. I can't argue with that. I can. I can only argue with the uh, with the protected species comments. I mean, it's such a simplistic view, and it, it it I just don't understand where you get off calling up an entire team that has been so super successful for nearly two decades, a pack of grubs. I mean... Oh, the fishing's good here at um, Ballarat at the moment. <laughs> Love it. Really? Like... <clears throat> but if we extend on what you're saying, Jez, all we've seen on Twitter all year is, you know, Selwood should have got suspended for that. Hawkins should have got suspended for the tackle on the weekend. But then you say, well, did you feel that way about Holman? Because it was exactly the same thing. Either half the people don't know that Holman did it as well or they don't care about Holman. So it becomes a, you know, um, I hate Geelong, I hate Tom Hawkins, Selwood, Danger and the rest. Um, that's, so that's, that's pretty, when, pretty that's when I start feeling like it's a bit of an uneducated Comment and to also say that Tom Hawkins is a protector species is the funniest thing I've ever heard <laughs> because the MRO, as we know, anyone that's watched football long enough knows, has made an example of him in the past. So that's just another ridiculous notion. But 
getting away from all of that, I just, my point that I'm trying to make is that I think we're trying to achieve the impossible. I, under, I understand um, the, the education around concussion and what, you know, we have more information on what can happen in the future and things like that. So, of course, we need to do what we can do to avoid concussions, etc. But there are just um, fundamentals of our game that I'm very, very concerned about that we will lose by trying to achieve something that is not achievable. I liken it to uh, I liken it to having little kids like Woody and I can attest. Um, they're going to run around. They're going to play. They're going to get scratches. Um, <clears throat> they, they're going to get scratches. They're going to get bruises. They're going to fall off things. I don't have children, uh, do I, Jeremy? Uh, no, I, 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 and Tim is Tim also. Sorry. Um, shout out to Harry and Matilda. Um, <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> um, they're they're going to fall off things. They're going to they're going to do themselves a mischief. Um, you don't want you don't want it to happen, uh, but you at the same time you know. Uh, averages are uh, at any point in time it is going to happen. And I think that's that's the way the AFL should be treating the concussion. Do you, do you, do you think um, the whole concussion um, strategy, I'll use that term, um, by the AFL may be driven, and I'm not being disrespectful to this family by any means, but I will use this as an example. Do you think, because their duty of care to players, that the Shane Tuck um, incident, which we all... It was someone that's gone too soon and et cetera like that. Do you think that's actually driving even more intensity into their agenda about concussion, as in what can happen over a period of time, worst case scenario? Or am I, I think it's definitely I think it's definitely played a part. But as Mel's original point was, this is a high velocity, high speed, high impact game that's played at 360 degrees. Um, sometimes shit happens it's it's, it's unfortunate but yeah. that's reality you need to take a realistic approach rather than an idealistic approach now the problem with the mro and the afl in general because it's probably under their direction every time there's a head injury they look at the or a head knock they look at the injury report, see he's got a concussion and think, all right, we need to suspend someone and then work backwards to figure out how they're going to get to that suspension. Whereas if it's a football incident, look at the incident only. Is it an illegal action or is it not? It's that simple. Don't look at the outcome and then work backwards. Well, I know just on the concussion stuff before we move on, I as a parent am encouraging my son to play soccer purely and simply because I find it a lot safer regulated sport than the risk you take playing AFL. I'm not saying that's a bad thing about AFL by any means, but as a parent, knowing the possible outcomes, I personally am driving him and encouraging him to play soccer over AFL for that exact reason. And, you know, as <clears throat> as a parent, and all that sort of, that, that's your decision that you've got to that's make. That's right. Up. Everything... <laughs> Everything you do for yourself or for kids, you know, you've got to do some sort of risk assessment beforehand, don't you? Yeah, and, and you've got to understand, you, you, in a lot of cases, your child's probably not going to play AFL, where it's a lot more regulated and that could be bloody bush football where they still king hit and God knows what. Like, 
you got to weigh the whole whole gamut of things up. I think as a parent, but um, that's a whole separate discussion, I, I guess. But it's just sort of where I'm at with concussion. Um, any any uh, any last word on that? <clears throat> that the AFL have spent many many years um, changing rules. Um, you know, putting putting all these things in place, which most of us don't agree with most of the time and it's all to speed up the game got to speed up the game got to get it moving got to get rid of congestion so we've sped up the game the game is faster than ever and so there's more the the collisions are going to be harder aren't they i mean that's just that's just what's going to happen and unfortunately when two players are going for a football of you know tilt Unfortunately, there can be a clash of a head or, or a shoulder onto the head. It's an accident, you know, but, um, a hip and shoulder where two heads clash. No one's at fault. Um, teammates clash heads. We saw that with, with Adelaide on the weekend. It, it's going to happen and it's, it's unfortunate. Um, we've discussed this before in our, in our podcast, but I just think we're, we're getting to a stage now where it's getting that little bit ridiculous because we're wasting time at the tribunal, we're wasting clubs' time, we're wasting tribunals' time, the players' time, you know, the fans, the speculation over over it all, um, you know, for a football action. A tackle from behind is a football action. If you sling and throw a guy's head into the turf, we're talking about something different. But what happened on the weekend was not a sling tackle. It was a tackle from behind. Holman's was a tackle from behind. I I guess what what the AFL's biggest problem is, is you can end up with the same result playing in the rules versus doing the sling. I don't know what they can do with it. Yeah, but that's like I said before, though. Look at the action on itself. Don't look at the outcome. Is it an an illegal action or is it a football action? Mm. And that's as simple as it needs to be broken down to. Now, let's look Mm. back to the Hawkins one, which is obviously the catalyst for Mel's segment this week. Um, So, Darag Joyce, I think, was the player he tackled. He chased him down from behind. Now, they changed the rules a few years back where you can't fall into the player's back because that's a push in the back and be a free kick. Tom Hawkins actually had the <coughs> smart to fall to the side of Joyce. So he's done everything right by the yeah, rules. And he tried to turn him as well. Yeah, With the in the back. So yeah, what, I mean, what more could Tom but, Hawkins do? He followed. Well, he did exactly what the AFL has wanted players they, to they do. They even confuse themselves with the in the back stuff, though, too. How often do you think, oh, that's in the back and they call holding the ball because of prior and crap all that? Like, yeah, that's just, right. But there's just no consistency on for it. For me, the <clears> Tom Hawkins <throat> tackle, a cha- as far as chase down tackles from behind, that was textbook. But at the end of the day, Woody, what the AFL are doing is <clears> they're obsessed with getting head injuries and concussions yeah. out of the game. But they're getting they're getting so fixated on it that they're losing they're losing their focus on the fundamentals of the game yes. of what's legal and what's not legal and and what is the same result. So you can do something illegal <clears> and concuss <throat> someone, but you can do something completely legal and concuss someone. That's what so I mean. They look at they not, look at you can't eradicate it from the game. 
No, you can't. You just can't. You just and need I to think... accept that it's going to be part of the game. It's an unfortunate part of the game, but it's always going to be there. And like I said, don't look at the injury report and say, this guy got concussed. We yeah. need to try and suspend someone. Was it an illegal action or was it not? If it's not an illegal action, then don't even bother sanctioning yeah. them or sending them to tribunal or anything. This is still football. Let's just look at it. Football oh. actions think, should not be sanctioned. With Tom Hawkins, they did the right thing because with Holman, perfect <clears> tackle <throat> on Mitch Duncan, which concussed Mitch um, as well, but he was taken to the tribunal. He had to then appeal and then it got thrown out. At least they learnt from that and they went, well, let's not go through all that because we know it's going to be thrown out. The thing is it shouldn't be a report at all or it shouldn't be cited at all. It should be, you know, okay, someone's concussed, look at it, no, nah, you know, like you say, it, it's a it's a football action. My point just is another another issue that we've got is the 12-day rule, that if a player gets concussed, he's got to be out of the game for 12 days. So that causes another problem as well because obviously players recover in different ways. We're all individuals. We all recover from... Should be case by case. ...ailments differently. So even medical experts will say to you, some players will recover in three days, some may take three weeks. I mean, you, you can't, you know, but they've made this hardcore 12-day rule. So I know that they're being exceptionally um, cautious, but I'm just concerned that they may, they may be going, just tipping over, you know, the hill a little bit. Too much. Uh, I've got a question for you, Mel. Um, how much? How much do you think Michael Christian uh, listens to the ether? Um. Like, well, uh, yeah, like, like I, mean, for I personally don't know. For, for example, know. for example, when uh, Danger got suspended earlier in the year, he was pretty much found guilty by every everyone by the Pope yeah. before, before Christian. Yeah. Even uh, before Christian even look at it. So, and that's my concern is that, yeah. you know, um, incidents happen in the game, like, you know, Toby Green, um, Toby Green's incident on danger, and, you know, danger goes to hospital, and of course, that's awful. No one wants to hear about someone going to hospital. Um, but, you know, the narrative was really different this time. It was kind of like free Toby and um, <clears throat> the AFL are out to get Toby and, they, you know, they're going to suspend him. Look, I didn't want to see him suspended. I, I you know, was not happy with the action, but, I, you know, I, I felt like it was within, within the laws of the game to an extent. He was, you know, trying to get himself out of a tackle. Danger was pulling him down. Um, you know, things happen, as, as Woody said. Shit happens kind of thing. Uh, it was just unfortunate that he ended up spending the night in hospital. But, um, you know, the narrative on social media and through the media was, you know, oh, there's a different rule for, for Toby Green than there is for, you know, someone else. So you're right. There are different narratives and you we're all pretty active on social media and we see that there's a lot of dribble around, you know, certain players that people hate. So, if, you know, if someone comes up under scrutiny with the tribunal, it's kind of like, you know, I hate that team or I hate that player. So it just becomes this pylon. And I just think that sometimes you've got to look at the bigger picture and forget the player 
and just go, okay, if this, if this becomes a suspension, that means the tackle from behind is out of the game. Is that good for the game? Yep. I mean, so I hate sometimes, to offense, but is it good for the game kind of thing? So with your Toby Green example, it's <clears throat> a lot of the time, especially on social media, it's not <clears throat> what, but it's who, isn't it? And that, yeah. that oh. sways people. But I want to add something a little bit to what... Who and, and team yeah. as well. I just want to add well. something a little bit more sort of along the lines of what Jeremy asked. Um, so the, he's asking if Michael Christian can be influenced by the media and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Do you think that um, the AFL should introduce a, a rule with their media partners that if there's, a, if there's an incident that they think may come under scrutiny from the match review officer or once a charge has been laid that they can't show it and they can't discuss it to just stop the chance well, of that influence. It provides that too good a photo. That used to happen, if you remember, um, once someone was reported, but an on-field report. That but that's the thing. Today, 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 today a lot of reports happen times, after the game. Times. Yeah, correct. And so, um, look, let's not anyone be fooled that the AFL and the media don't work hand in hand um, because they they most definitely do. I don't think there's any secret there. Um, but when these incident, incidents happen, um, just like on social media, as we know, the media is the same. You know, big names, oh, you've got to look at that. You know, oh, let's look at that from this angle. You know, oh, do you think he's in trouble for this? But if it's a lesser known player, you know, play, you know, first year player, plays for an interstate club, kind of don't hear about it much, you know. Um, so I think that I think, think there's some truth to that, definitely. I yep. think that I think the simple solution is the person in the role that Michael Christian's in doesn't look at social media. Simple. The other thing <clears throat> too, and um, it happened with um, I think it was a D- David McKay one. I think there was Patrick Dangerfield and Lockie Plowman this yeah, year it was as in, well. Uh, against St Kilda, that was, I think, David McKay. Um, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but they they break it down, and I remember especially with the Lockie Plowman one, um, they flo- slow it down to like three or four frames per yeah. second and look right at it and, you know, um, they say, oh, well, he could have pulled out at this point or, you know, yeah. then they fast forward at five frames, which is actually only 0.2 of a second and say, <laughs> oh, well, he had time to change his mind here. Yeah. Um, and these the guys incidents, are going 100 miles an hour. Exactly right. In they don't time, attack the, they don't the, attack the ball in slow motion, do they? No, of course. So you need to look at it in real time. Once they've committed to the contest. That's right. They've committed to the ball. They can't, they can't freeze frame themselves. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. and that, that's how they—that's how they come to their sanctions sometimes yeah, exactly. by freezing it down and saying, "Well, this yeah. frame here suggests this." Well, you have to look at it at real time. Exactly, I couldn't agree more. And when you do see people on social media talking about certain instances, they always have like a screenshot or something. It's just um, absolutely ridiculous, and it drives me mad. It's like, well, <laughs> that's not reality. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, the, the other that. the other evil thing about social media is if you have a differing opinion, you're an idiot to. Oh yeah, you can't have. Yeah. Opinions just <laughs> just to wind wind up this um, minute of mayhem that's probably turned into twenty five minutes of mayhem. No, it's a it's a subject that needs to be discussed. Do our panel agree with this statement 
that maybe the AFL take too much credence from the studies of the NFL with concussions because that is the one that gets put across the globe about the concussions caused by playing NFL. Do you think that has um, any influence on the AFL stance as well? I don't think I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with going back and looking at the ones who pioneered it in the first place. Sorry? I think they would be negligent if they didn't. If they didn't, uh, the NFL started it, so I don't, I don't see why the AFL shouldn't go back and look at how they do things. Oh no, I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with them looking. I'm wondering if you think that is. A big driving force behind their stance. I think you're right. <coughs> it is a force behind it that they, you know, they understand that there's been an issue with the NFL. But what the AFL need to remember is that it's a it's a very different sport. It's very bash and crash, even more than the AFL. Yeah, and it's you know there's a lot of other factors involved, and <coughs> of, you know there's a lot of um, other parties involved in those studies that say that you know, wearing the helmets doesn't help their cause. So you can go down that track. Well, there's been those studies with even bike riding about whether the helmet protects you as much as what they say it does to not wearing a helmet, let alone sport. I think the AFL has to um, take take, um, some sort of action or reaction on what the NFL have done because they have, you know, they're negligent if they don't protect their players, especially the head, obviously. Mm. So I think they're negligent if they ignored it and did nothing. But I think at the same time, they've they've got to put the brakes on and just kind of be a bit more measured and realistic about it rather than reactionary and <clears throat> and changing MRO decisions and um, reportable offences, etc. Based on someone's been hurt in the head area or concussed, because going back to the initial point, it, you can't achieve something that's unachievable. And trying to eradicate a hundred percent of concussions out of out of a game like Aussie Rules football is just not going to happen. Yeah, would like all it to the, happen, but it can't. All the, all the state premiers in Australia can take note of that. You can't eradicate it. And the final point I was going to ask is the need for pristine grounds in the middle of winter for the game, does that have an effect? Because obviously the grounds are harder, like, you know, Marvel, that sort of thing. Does that have a huge factor on our situation as well? Marvel and Optus have been known and players talk about it quite regularly. <coughs> you know, they're not just hard on head they're hard on their legs yes um they're hard on their bodies you know um when they fall on the ground because they're harder surfaces so you know those grounds do maybe need to be looked at optus is obviously very very new and they maybe should have got it right to begin with um but marvel i'm not sure what you can do about it i'm no expert in that area but it definitely um, does cause problems, but it doesn't just cause concussion problems. It causes causes injuries <clears throat> as well. Um, and a lot of players that don't play there as often as other clubs um, really feel it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just a lot, a lot of people on social media comment on the grounds being a factor with the concussions regularly. 
So I just sort of pose that question. That's a bit the of thing. A... You need to you need to consult the players on that. They're the <clears> ones <throat> that are going to give you the best yeah. analysis of it. And just I want to go back a little bit to before when you're talking about the NFL and helmets and all that sort of thing. And as Mel said, the AFL is negligent if they don't take all of that into account. Um, <clears throat> yes, we want to get rid of concussion. They want to get rid of it. Um, you want to reduce it as much as you can. That's fine. Um, and to do that, you need to look at all the evidence that's available from all over the world and in all sports. <clears throat> Which brings me to my point. Um, amateur boxing, um, they used to have headgear mandatory for all competitors. Correct. Now, their, <clears throat> their studies and their research and their information now suggests that um, wearing headgear doesn't actually stop the head trauma. So now they don't wear headgear because the biggest thing the headgear did they found was actually restrict the vision which means you're more likely to get hit in the head if you can't see it coming so i'm not saying that the afl has to take that as gospel but you need to look at all the information and make an informed decision well i think i think it's it's no coincidence that only one of our players in the whole of the league is wearing a helmet right now yeah that's true and they've been very rare anyway over the years um just um, one parting comment on that subject. When comparing sports parallel together, we're talking apples and oranges. There are some stuff you can borrow from them, I believe. Yep. But, um, you know, you're eating an apple or you're eating an orange. Um, I think the point I was just trying to make is that the NFL <clears throat> are taking the time to, to spend time and money and resources into finding out what happens after the game and what the you know what the implications could be from concussion so i think the afl should do that absolutely oh yeah there's stuff to borrow from it no but, yeah. no brainer that we should do that in our game but back to the original point you can't get rid of it in a contact sport and the nfl can't either no no well i think i got concussion talking about concussion um and I'm sure um, it'll be a subject that'll come up again. So it's well done, panel, to discuss that. And well done, Mel, for a record Mel's minute. Um, we'll move yeah, on. That was still shorter than our last one. No, oh, was it? Okay. Um, we'll move on to our next topic, which um, originally Mel and I had um, penciled in Melbourne or the Eagles as a result from their game last round uh, or the round before the last, because we've had this brewing, I think, um, for a little bit of a time. But um, the Eagles basically are spiralling downwards. So I've written down on the run sheet um, with the Eagles, where to from here? Are they in crisis? Do they need to change their game plan? Do they need to – are they one-dimensional? What's their problem? Uh, are we are we, ba- are we basing this on the fact that most of us know they're probably going to get pantsed by, by Brisbane on the weekend? Um, well, we're basing it on the fact that we um, also had an episode some time ago – where um, this podcast may very well have copped a lot of feedback on social media by um, Generation Y Eagles supporters that um, were quite happy to um, say that we're all idiots and et cetera like that because of some of the stuff we said about the Eagles. Um, I, in particular, probably copped it because I sort of said Liam Ryan got picked in the All-Australian team based on his highlights reel. But that aside, where to for the Eagles? I think, to answer your question, Jeremy, I think that we're probably basing it on the fact that um, they should have easily made the eight this year and that they just got pants by Fremantle. 
Um, and, and going up to Brisbane is going to be a, a, and, the, and probably the most daunting we task. We expect that Brisbane have hit their straps at the right time, yeah. so we expect the same to happen. And it has happened throughout the year. We saw them get thrashed at Caninia Park. We saw them get thrashed, I think, a couple of weeks later. Twice at Caninia Park. At Sydney. I think Georgia. it was Sydney at Cadenia Park as well, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. Sydney, so Sydney, had, Sydney and Geelong both game of hiding at... Uh... So they've had some um, absolute shockers, real big thrashings. So you need to look into that. And uh, for mine, I think it's a mental fortitude thing. I really think it's mental. I think they've got the... They've obviously got talent in their side. I understand that some players are getting a bit older, but they're definitely capable and I think that um, I think that they'd be Simo would be bitterly disappointed with their season this year. I also yeah. ask uh, what type of what type of condition are their top liners in? Because um, most of them have been out for a fair while. So how actual match hardened are they? Mm, that's a that's a fair point. But they have had a, they have had a lot of players that have been running through that side that just aren't. Yeah. They don't seem to have the same um, intent or hunger as as we've seen from West Coast in the past. And as as we know, they aren't called the front runners for nothing. They get them they always get themselves in a really um, nice position and they always run on with it. Um, and it's hard to stop that run. And I just haven't, you know, we've seen glimpses of it this year, but you know. Once they get challenged, they kind of crumble. They haven't been very ruthless. What were you saying, Woody? Um, well, Mel brought up the point about some of their players getting older and everyone likes to talk about Geelong as a retirement home. Mm. But I've gone through today and picked out some players and their ages or how old they're going to turn next year. Andrew Gaff will be 30. Jack Redden will be 31. <coughs> Nick Nat Newey, 32. Luke Shuey, 32. Jamie Cripps, 30. Josh Kennedy, 35. Nathan Vardy, 31. Jeremy McGovern, 30. Shannon Hearn, 34. Jack Darling, 30. Now, that is a lot of talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you've got Tim Kelly, who's one of their better players. He'll be 28 as well. So he's he's closer to... To thirty than he is to twenty. Well, funny, is funny. Has, he has he been that great since he's No, he hasn't. I think um, Geelong <clears throat> would be absolutely wrapped with that um, that deal because he hasn't really oh, delivered the same level me. over there, has he? <clears throat> but um, that that's an aging list they've got there. And yeah. if you look at some of the younger guys coming through, are they really that good? Like Oscar Allen, um, he's meant to be the next next big thing, but. Um, he kicks a couple of goals a week playing as the third best forward, taking on the third best defender. Some yeah, say, have, some say he should seen, be in the All-Australian team for if, under 22. If, if we Josh have Kennedy, seen, though, with Oscar Allen that when he does play as the number one forward that he can, in fact, play. He's a very, <clears> he is very talented. On, on occasion, he can, but can he yeah. do it week in, week out for a whole I, season? You I look at Max King at St Kilda... Max King at St Kilda has shown that he can, whereas Oscar Allen has only shown signs that he might be able to. Oh, they're different players, but I think that they can. <clears throat> I think I think that he can. I think that he's not a player you would consider 
delisting or anything like that. Oh, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, yeah. does he have the talent well, um, and the ability to take answer. on that number one mantle within the next year or two when um, you're likely yeah. not going to have Josh Kennedy or Jack Darling? My answer is that, yes, he can be a formidable forward for West Coast, but their issue is, at, with all those players that you've listed off there, and I tried to keep up with you with how many it was, but I kind of lost count. Um, um, it, that's a, that must be a real concern. For so that'll be 10 next year, 10 players, 30 or over. Yeah, yeah. so that would, be a, that would be a list concern um, for them because, you know, mass exodus from clubs, you know, usually equates to a fair slip down the ladder. And um, who have they got to replace them in the next two well, or three years? Well, answer because we don't watch the waffle every week. I mean, I, I, we can't... No, just just to, look at their current list. It's hard to comment exactly on, on everyone's form through that without seeing it every week. No, but just on their current list, is there a young, young player on their list that stands out and said... This guy is going to lead the back line. This guy is going to lead the forward line, or this guy is going to lead the midfield when the other guys um, retire. I don't know that you could say with confidence that they've got anyone. Well, that, certainly that, when you compare them to Fremantle um, at the moment and look at their youngsters coming, I'd through. much rather be in Fremantle shoes in the next yeah, five years. That's for sure. Different trajectories, I think. Yeah. Yep. Just um, something Gary Loinchop pointed out, uh, I think it was last night on uh, on the couch, which I think with the West Coast Eagles, it, it makes a lot of sense. They use Andrew Gaffer's their go-to man because of his foot skills, bringing the ball into the 50 quite a bit. And they were watching him um, closely last game. And his first action, every time he gets the ball, is sideways. Mm, yeah, I saw that clip. Yeah. Is, um, is he alone actually... in that? I think that's actually just symptomatic of the current day AFL oh, player. Yeah, There's but... not too many. Their first instinct is to get the ball and no. take the game on and move it forward. But, but in his role as the go-to man. The point that they were trying to make, I think, was that the game, the game could have been won and instead of him kind of, <coughs> um, you know, attacking the play and, and you know, making a penetrating kick into the forward line to, you know, um, get it into a scoring position, he went he went for a short sideways pass. Yeah. Is that a coaching issue or well, is that I a mean, player issue? It's entrenched in the game plan. When, when, exactly. We're not in the inner system of the West Coast, so I, I, so I think it's hard for us to answer that. But if you think back to the premiership and how they won that game, they were very long kicking, very direct, especially um, in that last quarter. So I would say that it was probably a gaff decision. It was a gaff. Yeah. They had everything their own way um, uh, in that era. I think they started have a lot of, have a lot of games at home, which they'd win. Um, they'd get on a bit of a roll in games at Optus Stadium, which for the opposition can be a daunting place to play. Mm. And if, but, but if things, <clears throat> If things weren't quite going going their way, it seemed to snowball a little bit. Uh, but if you're the, the if, mental thing comes in, I think like if yeah. things aren't going their way, like COVID, they didn't deal with COVID. They didn't deal with the hubs well at all last year. Um, you know, and and this year you kind of thought, well, they're back at home. They you know they should be 
happier with that. So we should see a little bit more from West Coast this year. But it was kind of just like they had this lack of spirit. The other thing I think Gary was trying to point out too is he's their main go-to man in the midfield for supposedly bringing the ball forward for him and his first action sideways. But um, as as well as that incident that Mel was referring to where he should have gone direct because the game was there to be won. Uh, the other the other thing is though too a lot of West Coast supporters and probably rightfully so at times talk up Nick Nat's ruck work. Now surely if his ruck work is top two or three or whatever they say he is as a ruckman, surely his midfield should be getting first use of the ball more often than not from um, the clearances, shouldn't they? Well, of course, and, <coughs> and West Coast evolved. That's definitely what happened. It doesn't seem I mean, to be working this year, though, does it? He, See, a lot of people, they, they based... Year, but he is a sensational player, and he would put... He he would always put the ball, you know, nine times out of ten, you know, down Gap's throat or yell or, or whoever it may be. Um, he just knew how to steer <clears throat> football with his tap-outs. He's, he's, he's phenomenal. But like the teammates around him, he's, he's down. There, you know, there's a number of them down. I don't think we can really pick a player right now and go, you know what, he's having a sensational season. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's demoralising <clears throat> when um, their captain um, has to get chaired off after they've, been, after they've lost by nearly 100 points. That says to me something is not right at the West Coast Eagles at the moment. Well, the, only, the only winner with the West Coast Eagles this year is Sportsbet. Because no punters can confidently bet bet on to win or lose. Yeah, um, there's thirty year olds. There's thirty year olds and there's thirty year olds. I think I don't think there's many thirty year olds running running around in the hoops that people are saying, "Oh, they're a bit long in the tooth. They should probably give it away." Uh, well, I think there's one example of that in in this competition, and I'm, I absolutely adore him. I like am close to crushing on him. David Mundy. Yeah. The man is the Benjamin Button of the AFL. Mm. He, he's, I mean, these sort of players, um, you know, eventually, especially interstate players from interstate, their careers are cut a little bit short or they, they you know, they come, they play off the bench or they play off um, a forward pocket. But Fremantle are literally still relying on David Mundy. He is, a, you know, the number one cog in their midfield at the moment. He's the general in there. And he's, what, 65? I don't know. <laughs> are, they, are they really relying on him? I don't think they're relying I mean, on him. Relying because on they've him because still got they've guys got like Brayshaw. Sarong, Brayshaw, oh, and Dara coming through. I think they're just lucky that he's performing to that standard still. But what I'm saying, when I say relying, I think I mean more than just... The maturity on the field and stuff like that. He's not, yeah, he's not a not a bit part bit part thirty year old player like a Mark Murphy. He still rides. What I mean is that he still rides this team a fair bit. He's, he's not, not being gifted his position. No, he's not being gifted his position. He's not sitting in the forward pocket, you know, like having a bit of a rest here and there. He is in there, under there, and he he has a great impact. Every single game for Fremantle, I just think he's outstanding. And if he played for a, a team in Victoria, everyone would be talking about him. We just don't, we don't give him the credit he deserves. And I, I am a massive fan. 
That he's not the first Frio player or the first guy in Western Australia to um suffer from not getting the credit he deserves. No. And he won't and he won't be the last. All right. I think it might be time to move on to the next subject, which um, we have is um, medals presented in home and away games. Now, yeah, just before we hit, <laughs> hit that one rolling, um, yeah. I, I actually find it offensive as a grandson of a World War II POW where they offer a best on ground and say that they had the Anzac spirit and crap like that. On the oh, ground, well, yeah. when who on the who on the friggin' hell's been shooting bullets at these guys, or or guys risking standing on landmines, or being locked up in a POW camp where you're lucky if you get fed and stuff like that? Like, I actually think it's a slur against all friggin' um, returned servicemen. I'm sorry, I think it's an absolute tokenistic piece of crap. But that's my the opinion. Whole game. <clears throat> in itself is tokenistic <clears throat> to <clears throat> That's what it's about, unfortunately. Um, but generally, getting away from that a little bit, because that's... Uh, <clears throat> um, I just think, without swearing, they're complete BS. They mean absolutely nothing. Did you just say they're bullshit? I said they're complete BS. <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, look, they're bullshit. Yeah, call it what it is. To me, to me, it's actually cringe. Uh, they're below standard. It, it's cringe yeah, BS, BS. for me as a supporter <clears throat> of football to watch it because it's cringe. Because I know it means nothing. I know that the player themselves is, it, you know, that's not what they want. The only ones that matter are premiership medals, a Brownlow medal, and a Normie. That's all that, you know, and let's not... Oh, I'd put the Coleman in the mix. And Sorry, and the <clears throat> Coleman. So <clears throat> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have these glorified rounds, which are just home and away games, people, and have trophies and have medals and... Yeah, it's getting a bit much, isn't it? ...after the game and what? No, get rid of it. It's crap. What about the um, Gary Ayres medal? Do you give that any credibility? Who's that presented to again? The yeah, best, best player best in the whole player of the, the finals. In the, in the whole finals. So no, they do a 3 only, 2 1 or whatever. Only a few players played by should probably be a little bit higher. I think you make a good point. It, it, should, <clears> it should be more. Um, there should be. A bit more fanfare around it, but I, I would think if you ask, you know, nine out of ten <coughs> football supporters, they probably wouldn't even know what the award was for. Talking about awards, Mel, do I know? Obviously, you got the prestigiousness of the Brown Low, etc., like that. But how highly do the um, players hold the Players Association awards? I think they they. Um, <coughs> I think they hold it quite highly because it's their peers. That's what. That's why I sort of ask that question. That's I the coaches award and the MVP really. They <coughs> probably hold yeah. that higher than the Brownlow. I mean, yeah. do, do they walk away at the end of their career and prefer? Would they prefer a Brownlow <coughs> um, in their cabinet? Yes, but I think um, I think players really um, really take some pride in their peers 
recognising them as the best player of the year and more importantly, the, you know, most courageous player. You know, I mean, though the players that I've dealt with about those awards uh, tickled pink that <coughs> their peers <coughs> voted for them in that capacity. So, I, yeah, I do. I think, I think the yeah. players hold it in really high regard. Well, I, th- I think that's the point. I think, I think a, Brownlow winner, a Brownlow winner is a little bit taken aback. Uh, when when they receive the award, uh, I think it's the opposite for the AFL MVP. They're actually quite, uh, like you said, tickle pink, uh, over the moon to get it. So I think there's a probably <coughs> probably a different different feeling to. It's a respect thing. It's kind of yeah. like. Um. So yeah, like on um, on that point as well. The original <coughs> point about the um, the trophies for home and away games and awards. I just yeah. think the whole idea of all these theme rounds that they have. Yeah. I think they're all absolutely ridiculous. And I think the more theme rounds you have, um, no matter what it is, and I'm talking about the dream time at the G- game and indigenous round and the respect round and the women's round and all this <coughs> other stuff that they have it dilutes it it, it dilutes <coughs> it so what they're trying to do is be more inclusive that's the theory behind it um but the way i see it the more theme rounds they have the more people you have say what about me what about <coughs> us and it actually becomes more divisive well one of, one of the better ways of doing that sort of stuff i i believe actually goes back to VFL and a few years ago when Ballarat had the North Ballarat team in there and what they would do to get into the game, it was a gold coin donation and they would donate that to a local charity and that was their way of acknowledging different areas. Yeah, and that's got much more, <coughs> much credibility. more reach, much more credibility because all the other theme rounds that they have now, I think they're just self-indulgent. Yeah. Um, just on the medal stuff, Knowing very well that the uh, Brownlow medals evolved into a midfielder's medal, really, let's be brutally mm-hmm. honest, um, should we be taking something like the Bouncers Golden Fist Award more seriously and look at maybe having awards for the different lines? Because let's base, base, basically look at it. If I'm a backman, I could actually be the best player in the competition, but I'm not going to win the freaking Brownlow because they give it to midfielders. I think, though, the thing with that, though, and I mean, I'm hoping Mal will agree with me here because we're both big on traditions in the game. Um, like, the, the umpires may not be the best judge of who was the best on ground that day, but I actually like the tradition of it, and I think that needs to stay. But how many more awards do you want to introduce is the other thing. This is the MPO Sports Podcast, and I hope you're enjoying listening to our AFL edition. This podcast is edited on Audacity and would like to thank Zaggy2 for the music. And now I'll take it back to Tim, Aaron, Worf and Mel. Well, the Brownlow's a joke. I know, you have the Players Association Award, you have the Coaches Association Award, all those sorts of things. They give you an indication of... You know the, the better players. There's no reason that they wouldn't vote a ruckman or a forward into those awards. I wouldn't have thought. Getting into like, as we're going to bring we're going to bring it up a little bit later, but getting into being a defender of the All Australian team isn't anything to be sneezed at. No, but I'm just saying. Let's be brutally honest. The Brownlow has evolved into a midfielder's medal, which is actually a bit of a joke when you consider 
over the years before it evolved into that, a backman could win it or a full That's forward right. could win it. They can't now. It's impossible. I think that we've got to maybe talk, you know, the umpires need to have a discussion about why that is. And, you know, rather than, you know, implementing a, a defender's award, a forward's award, a mid, uh, you know, a ruck award or, or what have you, um, and taking the gloss kind of off what the Brownlow is, we might need to, you know, the umpires might need to be focusing on different things during a game. Um, rather than just what's under their feet, you know, around the uh, around the centre. Well, I let's, think let's, too let's that be... the umpires, I believe, <clears throat> to my understanding, that um, when after the game they obviously get together and do their vote, but it's my understanding that they also are given the stat sheets. Now, I would have thought that that's actually prejudicial. Well, I would have thought it. it. I think you just all right. Who did you notice? Who did who did the job? the best or their job, the best today. Take the stat sheet out of it. Yep, because the stat sheet can actually, you might go, oh, geez, Tom Mitchell's had 45 possessions. He's best on ground, but he may not have done anything with, with 40 of them. Yeah, he but, may not have or he probably wouldn't my, have. This is my argument I have with a lot of Geelong supporters who say, you know, get Sav out of the, <coughs> Sava out of the team. You know, he he does nothing. He does, he, he gets, hey. you know, one or two possessions. He's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Some players are just not on the ground to get possessions. They're there to play a role. They're there to do completely different things. So, you know, looking at a player's stats and going, well, he didn't, you know, he touched the ball eight times or four times and he touched it 40 times, that doesn't mean that 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 player that touched it 40 times had more of an impact on the game. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up too because... And Jeremy agrees with me here because we've had this discussion with a couple of people before. When Ben Brown came in for his first game for <coughs> Melbourne this year, yeah, after, he was after getting, being out for a bit, yeah, he was getting absolutely pasted on social media because he finished with about four touches for the game. But I counted about six or seven <coughs> times that he crashed packs and brought to the ground and actually allowed the smaller players to get the ball and set up goals and. That, that's a great influence on the well, game. talking about that sort of stuff, the reason why the Bulldogs now cannot win the flag is because Josh Bruce is out for similar reasons. Forget the goals he's kicked for the hit in the packs. And that's not just, <coughs> not just, not just confined to, um, it's not just confined to uh, the taller players either. Um, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people on social media complaining that uh, Luke Dalhouse doesn't have much effect, but I can, I can guarantee you that he's probably one of the first picked in the team because he plays his actual role that he that Dalhouse plays is to perfection. And this is why this is why stats is a blessing and it's a curse as well yeah. because there are certain there are certain stats that really um, you know help coaches as in you know um, heat maps and you know um, time on the ground versus a, you know efficiency within that time and that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to actually just hardcore stats that, you know, everybody's reading in the paper, which is, you know, 24, you know, 24 kicks, you know, four handballs, that sort of thing, it's really misleading because, yep. you know. Well, how, many times have you, how many times have you watched a game and, you know, you see a bloke finish with 35 touches or whatever and you think, well, when did he get them? Because I hardly noticed it. Well, we talked and about then- <coughs> 
just in general, it? just in general, there's plenty of times where you'll watch a game, a guy will get 30, 35 touches, yeah. and you'll think, I didn't even notice him. And then you'll look at another bloke and think, well, he was everywhere today, and he might have only got 19 or 20. Yeah. Yeah, and well... What, Sam Powell Pepper for Port Adelaide is exactly the type of player I'm talking about because very rarely does he get more than 25 touches, but his influence in the contest around the ball and getting the ball forward is is quite high. Uh, well, you know, here's a parting note for me on the on the Brownlow bit that we were talking about. Um, 87 um, Brownlow medalist or dual Brownlow, uh, Drew Brownlow medalist Tony Lockett yep. would not win a Brownlow under the current system. Even if he put the same output as what he did that year, he would not win the Brownlow medal under the way the umpires do it at this stage. Well, I think if you go back and look <clears> at the Brownlows, <throat> the last non-midfielder, I think, um, might have been um, Jim Steins back in 92 or whenever it was. Well, he was a ruckman, so he's a midfielder. Oh, he's not a gen like a, a, a uh, midfielder a as such. Didn't Scott... What about Scott Wine? Scott, Scott Wine, Scott won, Wine won it the year before Steins. But even then, they were Ruckman that still got a fair bit of the ball, though, both of them. Yeah, but they're not your, your <coughs> classic midfielders. You've got to go back that far to find oh, yeah. a non-midfielder. Yeah, it would be great to, to see <coughs> like a Tom Stewart kind of player win a... Well, I mean, that's very biased of me. But well, you look at... Well, either way, way with you know, your bias or not, you're clutching player. the straws because he will not win a Brownlow medal with the way... They currently do it. Yep. And you just no, got to no, go no, back over the last couple of years. I'm saying it would be yeah. great to see. I agree. Sandra, agree. So it would be great to see <clears throat> if Harris Andrews win, 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 a, win a brown load. But like, that's the thing. Like, it's a guy like Harris Andrews, Stephen May, these sorts of guys were really good one on one defenders. Harris, maybe not so much this year compared to previous years, but um, them spoiling and stopping goals is just as beneficial yeah. as. Um, the forward kicking goals. Well, I can remember it as a kid. Is, but then you then you do have the midfielders that really do influence games, and we're you know we're seeing it this year with Tuke Miller and <coughs> um, like I mentioned, Mandy Parish, those sort of guys. So if they did win a Brownlow, you can't you can't kind of say. Oh, look, they didn't he, deserve it. He didn't deserve it. Jack Steele, guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Jack Steele, definitely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Sam Walsh. This year. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys deserve it, especially Jack Steele actually is a good example because he he's, you know, played in a very inconsistent team consistently. Correct. Consistent. So, he's probably been questionably, even in games where we've got done comfortably, he's still probably capable of getting a vote. That's how well he's played. Yeah, so, <coughs> you know, it's dangerous, isn't it? We want one thing, but you kind of can't take mm, it. Are we sure, sure uh, Bondipelli will poll really well in the last three weeks, four weeks of the season? No, but he's sure? probably got enough on the board before then. He'd have a fair, yeah, he'll have a fair few on the bank by the last three or four rounds. And just another <laughs> thing. Brownlow medal, though, um, recently has been quite easy to pick, pick. Yeah. Um, yeah but in years gone by it it wasn't as easy as, as <clears> it is now <throat> and i think that maybe we might be coming up to a season where you know if if bontempelli maybe <clears throat> poll well this week we might we might even up the ledger a little bit there because there's some really great... Yeah, Clayton, Clayton Oliver could sneak up and win it. Just, um, Darcy Parrish... Oh, please not. I just want to add something sort of towards 
um, Mel's point before about, you know, um, you know, guys influencing and Took Mill is a good example as well. One thing that really annoys me is when you're talking about the Brownlow and stuff like that, um, they say, oh, no, he won't win it because his team won't win enough games. You can still be the best player on the ground if your team loses by 10 or 12 goals. That could be related That could be related to them trying to get the heads of the umpires, though. Yeah, because... I get that, but that's what I mean. The, the umpires need to take the stat sheet out of it. Like, yeah. And um, we, we've mentioned um, Philip J. Kimber on this podcast a few times before, and um, hopefully he'll listen to this and, and back me up here. But um, I think... I went down to a Melbourne and Carlton game with him a few years ago. Um, Melbourne won by 108 or 110 points or something. But on the way home, we both agreed that Patrick Cripps was the best player on the ground. The problem was the second best to the 23rd best were all wearing Melbourne jumpers. But you can still be the best player on the ground if your side gets flogged. It just means you've had no mates. Well, uh, how, many, how many games did Carlton win when Juddy won? Yeah, I think we, there was one year we only won maybe eight or nine games and he, he won one. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's the same with Gary Ablett. That's about the player, the name as well, which I think the umpires get sucked <coughs> into. Yeah. I think, and that, Nat, Fife, Nat Fife as well. Yep. The, se- and, the, se- yeah. the second one he won. Just yeah. a question without notice, um, talking about the Brownlow. Who's your tip? <laughs> uh, I'll say Because I'm going to write these down. I'm going to write these down. I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm in agreement with you, kind of. I think uh, Bont's probably got enough to, at, the, at this point of the year to be pretty safe. Yeah, my head says the Bont. My heart says Jack Steele, which I've got money on him to finish top three. Can, can, can we? Okay, let's eliminate the obvious. Let's go for someone a little. Let's, oh, let's go left the centre. Uh, maybe yeah. snatch it. All right, let's go with an obvious one and a, and a dark horse. Well, I've given so, you yeah. me obvious. Tim's my... going Bont and Steel. That's <coughs> fine. Who's your dark you know, horse, Jez? Yeah, well, I, I, had, I had Bont and um, uh, Darcy Parrish isn't without a chance. All right. Mel? I'm going to go... I don't want to say Bont because you all have. So <laughs> um, mm. I'm going to go Petrarca yep. and pray. Petrarca and McRae, yep. And by the way, I tipped Petrarca before started, <clears throat> just FYI. I just hope, knowing Phil um, Kimber, that Petrarca doesn't win it, but um, sorry. But. I'm going to go with Wines and. Um, oh, I like that. Wines and yeah. Took Miller. Yeah, I like okay. Wines. Wines has had a perler of his. I was just going to say that uh, Travis Boat could also <coughs> poll pretty well, maybe place. Mm. He does poll well, actually, Boki. Mm. I think he's very liked, isn't he? Like, yeah. You know, we talk about Eddie Betts and how, you know, people are saying he's universally loved um, around all supporters in the competition, not just Carlton and Adelaide supporters. I think that's fairly accurate. Um and I think that player, you know, we should do a segment on this actually um, one day. But I think players like Travis Boak have the respect of, of the rest of the competition. I, just I like think it. Players. I think it. Uh, I think it says a lot that uh, when Jack Revolt was coming up to his three hundredth, the the uh, media attention was off the charts. And I sat down and watched a Friday night uh, Port Adelaide game one one day and. They just uh, – it was just in passing mentioning, oh, by the way, it's Trevor Spokes' 300th today. Yeah. 
you couldn't have been you couldn't have been any more different in the way you covered it. Um, I'm just 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 on Mel's point about a discussion piece. I've, I'm going to throw something at you, which I think, well, hopefully, is like we haven't done a Mount Rushmore in a while. Yeah. Um, maybe we could do one of um, universally liked players, and then another one of uh, universally hated players. That could oh, be. Well, that would be easy. Anyone that plays it <coughs> long. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, all right, so Hawkins, just Hawkins, reeling Hawkins, it in. Danger. Just reeling right. it in, guys, knowing that we've still got a couple of talking points. Let's yeah. put that on the agenda for the next um, AFL episode. And that? just a parting comment on the Brownlow medal. When I was a kid, he never won it, but this shows you how it's evolved into a midfielder's medal. I recall one great centre-half back by the name of Paul Ruse coming second or third in the Brillo medal and only getting just pipped. So that shows you how much it's become a midfielder's medal and because you wouldn't even dream of that now. Corey, Corey, Corey McKernan as well. Chris, um, Grant. Sorry, what was that? Chris Grant. Yeah. Chris, Grant led, yep. Chris, Chris Grant led the count. Uh, Corey McKernan led the count. Yeah. And just on the um, Chris Grant one, it was probably one of Bruce McAvaney's slip-ups on how he handled it, but we will... Um, leave that alone. No, none of us. Um, they they both deserve <coughs> to be ineligible as well. Yeah, but the way Bruce handled that one, I don't think. Um, I think if he had his time again, he would have handled it slightly different. But uh, moving on to the last, second last topic, coaches of the year, which obviously has um, created some interesting discussions on different social media forms. Um, so who's everyone's coach of the year nominee? So with mine, I'm not going to just, you know, look at the top four and say, pick one of them. What I'm going to do is pick the coach of a team who has far exceeded my expectations, um, especially in terms of the win column. Um, and there's two that stand out for me. So, well, three, sorry. Um, I'm going to go with John Longmire at Sydney. Unfortunately, Ben Rutten at Essendon. Mm-hmm. And this one might cause a bit of controversy, seeing how they're sitting at the bottom of the ladder. But um, for their second half of the year, David Noble, I think he's really got them on the right track. So obviously, no. Woody's looking at my notes because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we all know how I feel about John Longmire as a coach. Oh, just before you go on, Mel, can I just point out <laughs> yeah. that um, John Longmire, remember when we did our season preview? Yeah. Um, I sort of uh, had a pot shot at his coaching ability at the start he of the year. Did. So and I've I sort of come full someone, circle I think here. There was someone that said that he was a great coach. Can't remember who she was. Oh, well, who knows? It was so long ago now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm the same. I, I know that it usually goes to the premiership coach or, you know, close to. Um, so that's a given. I think that'll probably keep happening. Um, but so Chris Scott's got it wrapped up, has he? <laughs> oh, I can't even talk about it. Um, yeah, no, we've got some injury issues. But oh, I just, I genuinely hope Geelong beat Melbourne in the grand final because I don't want Melbourne to win it. But anyway, yeah, I've heard a lot of some Kilda people say that, but they also hate us at the same time, so it's odd. I don't um, hate Geelong. I just despise <laughs> no, them. But, I, but the majority <laughs> of some Kilda people that that I follow on Twitter, it does, yeah, it's, it's got a, it's I got a lot. Hate Geelong, but don't hate Geelong. Be despised Geelong. 
It's oh, yeah, got a lot to do with the um, drought of premierships. If Melbourne win, it means then we've got the longest drought. That's where yeah. it'll be. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, the hate fierce. Interesting words. I don't hate you long, but I despise them. Um, no, 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 they despise us, Jeremy. It's actually, I find it amusing. I find it a compliment because you only hate great. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. The, no, you hate arrogance. And um, to I say great hate. is arrogance. So, anyway, oh, we'll leave that alone. No, nothing. It's like saying, um, that, that's like, that's like saying. Stats, I man. Read the stats. <clears throat> it's like saying, I don't, I don't like, I don't like cocaine. I just like the, just like the smell of it. <laughs> um, so anyway. <laughs> I, this I is a PG have, podcast. I think we have to consider Longmire, <clears throat> and I agree with Woody, um, but I always knew he would because he's been a success in everything he's done. He's a wonderful person. Um, he's noble. He's um, he's doing things with North Melbourne that I don't. I think a lot of us um, wouldn't have foreseen. Um, but yeah, he's. Yeah, watch out for North Melbourne. I think he's really got them on the right path. Jeremiah, so, yeah, they did um, they did knock off the powerhouse that <coughs> is Carlton a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I just think we need to put it in perspective, though, is what I'm saying. And that's what I mean. It's oh, I, I, I picked mine based on teams exceeding expectations. Yep. It's easy. To, it's easy to coach a very talented side as opposed to a team that's rebuilding. Um, and I think you know, we have had discussions in the past where one of our panellists has said that, um, you know, Clarkson's days are over and he was overrated because he had the team to win those flags, which is also true. However, now he doesn't. And we've seen him turn Hawthorne into something pretty pretty good in the last month. So Let's not take the gloss off the fact that that person said he's gone at the end of the year. No, you were right, but what a bad decision that is. But I don't really worry. I've been, I've been giving it to Jeff Kennett on Twitter. Every time he says something negative about the um, current Victorian government, I go, Jeff, what about what you're doing to Hawthorne? Just how much did it hurt you then, Mel, just to say to Tim, you were right? What bit was he right about? Well, you just, about the Clarkson thing, you just said to him that he was right, and I just wanted to know if that, that hit you deeply to say, even oh, say that. He was, yeah, he was right about Clarkson <laughs> leaving, but I think we all saw that, didn't we? No, not not any of you guys at the start of the year when oh, I made not the, the claim. Start of the year, no. Oh, I made the claim at the pre-season podcast. Oh, oh that was ages ago, Tim. Forget You're about it. You're the only one that remembers that. We had to be um, should we? Should we, uh, we? We're not paying scant regard to the team sitting at the top of the ladder, are we? Because you talk about no. exceeding. We're well, talking, you... talk, talk about exceeding expectations. I don't think anybody had Melbourne top of the ladder at the start of the no, year. No, we didn't, and I think we so spoke about it. Goodwin, Goodwin deserves his due, is all I'm saying. He will get it if he's got a plan B when he needs it in the finals, which I don't think he has. Tom will tell on that one. <clears throat> who, who are yours? I, no, I think he's proven. I think he's proven himself. I mean, so, Melbourne <laughs> finished finished way down the ladder last year, and they're sitting. They're probably going to finish on top of the ladder. So I mean, yeah, no, he's definitely proved himself. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, the players I'll, as well have have changed their attitude dramatically this year, haven't they? The Melbourne players—they're definitely <laughs> a different. 
a different beast. I'm going, going down a different tack for mine. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I said obviously I said Simon Goodwin. <clears throat> Hit me with but, your best shot. Come on. So I, I'll give it to Kenny Hinckley for keeping his team completely under the radar even though they're in the top three at top two. It's easy to stay yeah. under the radar when you can't beat a top eight side. Yeah, they yeah, start, don't need their straps right now. Isn't that with Port Adelaide? Because if you look at the bigger picture over the over the course of the year, they've, they've had a pretty injury-ravaged season in parts of the year, especially when they've <clears> come <throat> up against those top eight <clears throat> sides. And I think now that they're getting their players back and they're becoming... You know, Mel- with Melbourne, you know, the healthiest team in the competition, um, we're seeing what Port can do. So I don't know that I buy into that that much. I think yeah. I think they've, I just... missed, they've missed... When you take very good players out <clears throat> of a side and it doesn't matter how good they are, when you take a number of players out of... a a team, Geelong have got seven missing at the moment. Eventually that's going to catch up. And unfortunately it can happen at the wrong time of year. Sometimes yeah. it happens at the beginning of the year. Sometimes it happens all year for some clubs. I mean, poor, poor North Melbourne and GWS in the past couple of years have had injuries just all the time. Um, and some clubs get them at the wrong time of year. And I think that that's when you see fluctuations in form at times. Yeah, we've lost what I would what I would call probably our best player for the, probably the rest of the year. So definitely our best player. It's absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. So you've got another nomination there, Jez. Uh, a good one. No, just good one. Yeah, just good. Yeah, just good one. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't particularly say Kenny Hinckley for <clears throat> their. They're a fantastic style of player or anything. It's just they've managed to just keep them it, while everyone while everyone's getting excited about the dogs in Melbourne and and Geelong are there again. Uh, just people are just not giving the attention to Port. Do we, talk, you got about, um, do we talk about Long Muir? I was gonna bring him up as an honourable mention because I oh, think he's enough. got. Them well and truly on the right. Well, we, got, path. We, we got Tim's to go, and we was yes, Tim's. we do. Um, my my honourable mention is Gordon Bombay with the way he brought up the um, put togethers against the Mighty Ducks oh, in the latest episode on Disney Plus. The Flying Arrow that was perfect. Oh. Was that was that was he the original Moneyball? Do you think? Oh, definitely, Gordon Bombay all the way. But on a serious note, um, I'm thinking um, Noble myself as well because. I think it actually shows a decent coach on um, what they can do if they over-exceed. It doesn't mean you have to win the flag to be of putting the best effort against uh, what was predicted for your team. And, and I also think that Nix is, <coughs> is doing a pretty reasonable job as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. tra- Adelaide are tracking pretty well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What they have. And I think Woody mentioned, honourable mention, Longmuir. Yep. So we'll we'll move on to the last topic, which is the All Australian squad. Each person will pick a back, a centre, a follower, and a forward. Uh, Mel, do you want Tom Stewart, or do I get him? Sorry. Um, are we not talking like a number of backs that we think could make it? We're just. 
I, one, I, one on each line. One on each, each line that you think should be in the squad. Um, okay, we'll I didn't understand the rundown clearly <laughs> <laughs> because I just thought what we were doing was picking, yeah. just picking defenders, picking mids, picking forwards, and and. Um, rocks and yeah, I thought if we ended up picking multiple for each line, we could be here for a week. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, okay, well, go ahead. You, you guys go ahead. All right. Well, I'll start. I'll tell you who won't be in the back line because I actually, um, to be really honest, um, haven't um, thought it too closely. Who won't be in the back line is Dougal Howard. Who won't, who won't be in the centre line is um, Mr Hill. Who will be a follow-up will be Jack Steele. And who won't be a forward in it will be Higgins. Are we doing who's not? No, I just did no. that because... <laughs> I, I just did that because... Um, You've been I, doing this long enough, Mel, to know that we should just <clears throat> ignore most things Tim says. <laughs> so I just sort of thought I'd put fuel in the fire because none of you guys listen to me even when I'm right, so I'll just do it my way. Woody, what's fair. yours? Um, well, <coughs> I've already mentioned him um, for the Brownlow picks. I'm going to go with Ollie Wines. He's a lock to go in there. Um, Sam Walsh will also make the All-Australian team. Um, are, we, are we going back centre forward? Um, I'm, I'm mixing up the, the order myself. As, long, as long as... as Completely all on different tracks. As long as you get all four, uh, start from the start again. As long as you get all four categories. I'm going to go for a defender. Now, you might think this is a bit biased and self-indulgent and all that sort of thing, but I think Jacob Weedering is going to be right in the mix. I think he is. Um, Gonna Sean Darcy is definitely going to be in the mix for the ruck position. I think he's had a fantastic year. Ollie Wines in the midfield and... Oh, as a forward, there's a few to pick from, actually. Um, and a few surprising ones, to be honest. Like, who would have thought <clears> that um, <throat> Josh Bruce would be that far up in the forward line? But I'm actually going to go with Bailey Fritch. He he should find himself a home on a half-forward flank, I would imagine. You, you don't think they'd probably uh, put Petrarca there? instead? Oh, of they like to put midfielders in there, don't they? But... I think at the very least, Bailey Fritch has to get a spot on the bench. And yeah. we're going to we're going to be true to the categories, unlike the All Australians. No, that's right. So I'm picking <laughs> Bailey Fritch as a forward. As a forward, all right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So I've actually got uh, Jake uh, Jake Lever. Yep. Jake Lever in the back pocket. I think he's a lock. Has um, he been um, better than Stephen May? Oh, they've been equally as good. I would have thought. I think I think they'll both get in just quietly. Um, uh, Dar- Darcy Parrish, I think, we'll, I think we'll make it. Another Essendon player in the forward line would not shock me to see Jake Stringer make it. It wouldn't be a terrible decision if he made it. No. Yep. And Mal, have you got your list there? <clears throat> uh, I do. So what I'll do, because I did mine a little bit differently, is I'll kind of go through, I'll, I'll say my, my lock for backs, mids, forwards, onwards, and then just some special mentions. So my back, and I'm not being biased, I think we can all agree, um, lock Tom Stewart, sensational year. 
uh, special mention to Alira Lear. Interesting. And That's been good, yeah, but yeah, no, I like it. Um, Bailey Dale. Oh, love that pick. Um, he's had a great year. And, and Nick Hines, we maybe might say again. Um, Means, I'm going to say a lock is McRae mm-hmm. and Miller. Yes, there's so very many. Good. There's so many, though, <laughs> isn't there? Like, I, I don't know how they're going to narrow this down. Um, but, yeah, special mentions to Walsh um, and Parrish and Lyons. Um, forwards, Toby Green. Yep. And... Our resident full forward, make it. Ah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, Hawkins will be in there. And I think um, Jack String, uh, Jake Stringer's had a good year and obviously um, Harry will get picked. Um, and will, Taylor, will Taylor Walker get picked? <clears throat> yeah, look, before the indiscretion, I would say yes. I just do you think they'll, Do you think they'll take that into account when choosing yeah, the Yeah, I really do. I really think they will take it into account, but I don't think they should. Yeah, I agree with Woody. I don't think they should, but should, I, think, I think they will. Should Josh Bruce be um, a chance seeing he's kick 49 goals or yeah. whatever it is? Well, Luke Bruce should be. <laughs> what, about, um, what about Josh Bruce's kick 49 goals? That, they've should, honestly yeah, got... Definitely. Your full I mean, you're asking for a lock. Forward. I'm saying my lock. Oh, no, I'm just saying, should he be... I'm just posing the question why you no, sort yeah. of... Yeah. Should, should, be in, should be in the 40. Definitely. He's a leading goal kicker at Footscray, isn't he? Yeah. If you're looking yeah, at the key forwards, there's probably six or seven they could make a case for. I, I think their issue is going to be the mids because <coughs> Lyon, Seedsman, McCluggish, Parrish, Merritt, Mundy, Walsh, Selwood, Miller, Patron, Oliver, that's what I'm Duffery, Jack Steele, Langdon even on the – like, I don't know how they fit them all in. That's what I'm saying, though, uh, when the selectors come together to do it, uh, yeah. rather rather than putting in a Bailey Fritch, they will put in a Petrarca. That's what I was going to say. I don't know how they'll fit them all in, but I'll yeah. tell you how they'll fit some of them in. They'll name yeah, midfielders out of position. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you, might, you might see a Christian Petrarca in a back pocket just so they can get him in there. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is when they do that, we could pick an all-Australian team that would beat that team because they usually can't kick goals. They put midfielders in as forwards. Yeah. It's a shame too because um, true defenders or you know true forwards will miss. Yeah, we see it every year. <clears throat> well, we've seen it. We've seen it um, last year in particular. Small forwards they put midi midfielders in instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A special a special mention to Daniel Rich, who I think has been probably Brisbane's best player. Yeah. So I was getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> so Gorn, obviously Gorn, but I think Tom Hickey's been superb. Yep. And my Smokey, as Jez just stole my thunder, is rich because he could go into a back or forward slot this year because he's played well in both positions this year at times. So I think he'll probably get in. He's uh, having a... um... Bit, bit like David Mundy, isn't he? Just ageless at the moment. Yeah, talk, talk about, like, talk <clears> about <throat> uh, effectiveness. You, <laughs> you'd rather have fifteen Daniel Rich disposals <laughs> than you would have Tom <laughs> uh, Tom Mitchell forty five, wouldn't you? But they use him the way that um, Fagan uses him is is quite clever, really. Yeah. Because 
um, from week to week, his his role literally changes from one end of the ground to the other depending on the opposition, and he nails it every time. Are, are, are we uh, are we getting seduced by the dogs last two weeks? Are we out in the dogs? Put a line through them. I think we're out in the dogs. Yeah, yeah. I'm not dogs, completely eh? yep. out on them, but um, no, no, Josh Bruce. They can't is, win without Bruce. They can't no win Josh the flag Bruce without gives Bruce. Gives them serious question marks. Can mark. we win without Tom Stewart? Can we win without Mitch Duncan, Zach? It would, it would, it would make it much more difficult. Okay, so who, who takes Tom Stewart's position? Well, nobody. Because no, 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 not in the side. Team. Not who well, takes over his um, role or does what he does. Surprising, that... <laughs> uh, surprisingly, Zach Guthrie has actually acquitted, acquitted himself pretty well. I, look, I'm really proud of, of Zach, and I, I've always said that he's a talent. I know he's the whipping boy um, with Geelong fans. Well, I give credit with credit <laughs> too. I, um, I, he does really I well, but let's let's you know put him in a in a you know red hot final. Um, he he doesn't have the body strength as yet, no. but he does um, back himself in. He plays taller than he is. He he does take quite good, you know, contact marks he, on the ground. And he's got he's got he's got very clean hands quite well. But I think the Tom Stewart issue for Geelong is probably bigger than any loss, like bigger than the Josh. Bruce yeah, it's got a it's got a do, got a domino domino effect because it means Blitzars has to go back. Yeah, so exactly, I think... and so it completely throws out our structure. Yeah, um, and then when you throw on top of that, you know, um, Zach Tui, Mitch Duncan, um, it just it it means that the balance in our structures out, um, which affects our ruck stock. So. We would need Sav to be fit, and he's just got himself injured. So, yeah, I just think it. I yes. just think it's quite detrimental for Geelong this Tom it Stewart is, injury. I, I, I actually think Tom think Stewart. Stanley is, can't be the sole. So Tom Stewart is definitely can't. a better player than Josh Bruce, but I think Josh Bruce is more important yeah. to the Bulldogs than Tom Stewart is to Geelong. My yes, concern with absolutely disagree. My my concern with Tom Stewart not playing is I think to a degree, and this might be a bias, but don't stone me, please. I think to a degree Geelong were bloody lucky that King went down with an injury in that first quarter because they had no answers um, for him in defence when the ball was coming in the way it was. I, so, still think, I, still think the game, I still think the game would have been closer. We may not have won. But I think the I think the actual tide of the game around the ground was actually turning. Probably... probably Probably about 25 minutes into the first quarter, I think. All I'm saying is if you actually correlate when that happened, mm -hmm. King was already injured. Yep. And that's but my point. You, had no, you had no answers. You were, you were five goals up. King pretty much got injured not long after we hit five goals up. Yeah, but he wasn't injured. Yeah, the game, the game started to change around. The game started to change around the ground. Look, I, look the honestly, I knew you wouldn't agree. I'm sorry, I <laughs> in well, all, all honesty, because, because the, the bottom, the bottom line is you've got your give long you... goggles on. All right, and well, I'm not. You're putting your St Kilda ones on. I'm trying to give. I'm trying to give you a whole. All right. So, so excuse me. So you're telling me that you've had an answer for King when he was on fire before he got injured. Okay, fair enough. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Because you obviously, I was taking. You obviously got your goggles on. I was taking. Um, a, I was no, taking I'm a holistic. Came back on the ground, so injured. Come back on the ground carrying an injury. 
I think you'll find, Tim, I was well, taking a, a holistic that's not, that's approach on it. That's my, my point was, if you were actually listening, my point was <laughs> the game changed okay, well, then when he got injured. Then that's stupid by Raden. That's got nothing I'm to not, do with I'm not, I'm not rating or critiquing the coaching. I'm saying the game turned when King went off. He's had no answers when he was injured. He come back before he was injured. He come back on injured, and he was wasn't so worth you, a pinch so of you whatever. Be, so you believe that you would have continued your five goal lead? I didn't say that. I said the game turned when he got injured. Okay, I did not my, say my, that. But my question you. is, you believe that if he stay, if he look, he's basically said that short period of time that he went off. He was off for a good ten minutes in the first quarter. He didn't come back yeah, on until the yeah. second quarter. It's thank you. Twenty minutes. Whatever, you, you seriously, you are both just biased. No, look, look, but you didn't get you, you didn't you didn't, uh, you didn't let me get my point out. Now, what I, what I was saying, <clears throat> it was the totality of the game around the ground had a bit of a shift in it because, uh, yeah, Geelong probably changed a few things up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, uh, I don't think that one instance <clears throat> was the reason the game was tight in the end. I think whatever. Was, I anyway, think it, I think it probably, on. It probably would have been have probably would have been anyway. Moving on. I was diplomatic. I said we may not have won. Whatever. Moving on. I even said we should, we still should have lost, but uh, but I still had me rose colored glasses on. Anyway, All right, moving on. on. I just want to. I <laughs> just take responsibility for it. I want to just give an encouragement award for the All Australian. Not that he would ever make an All Australian. But yep. I actually rate this um, young sort of mature age recruit defender we've had for a few years. I actually think this year Callum Wilkie's stood up very well and probably will. Woody's mentioned numerous times about how well he's come along. Yep. He's um, definitely not going to be in the All-Australian. No, he's not. Geez, I do saying, like him as a player. I'm, I'm and just he's another an guy. <clears> he's <throat> another guy that's not going to um, uh, fill a stat sheet, but yeah, he's he going to do his role every straight. single week. Uh, Tom Highmore I like as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, the, that back line that St Kilda's building and um, right. uh, Dougal Howard back there as well, I think they're in good hands. But anyway, what, would, yep. what are your picks for the All-Australian, Tim? I basically just made a joke of it because um, there's no point they'll pick all midfielders. But, oh, that's suppose, right. yeah, you, you... but, but in all seriousness, Stephen May will make the back line. Yep, I think that's a lock. Yep, and for, for, forward-wise... They may even go down the path of McKay, to be honest, because he's probably won the Coleman, hasn't he? Well, he's going to win the Coleman. He's going to win the Coleman. He's eight eight goals clear at the moment. Um, so it's going to be hard-pressed to beat him. And he's missed four games. He's going to miss four games and win the Coleman. They have to pick him. Yeah. Uh, and they should bloody pick the Coleman medalist anyway because they've kicked the most goals for the season. That's the whole idea of the game. Well, that's the thing. If you... you your, full, your selection, your selection, your selection for the full forward in the All Australian team is pretty simple, isn't it? It's the Coleman medalist. Yep. The and biggest the forward that's kicked the most goals. We've gone two hours. Here we go. Yeah, we go. we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Probably um, the lock for the for the Ruckman's got to be Gorn. Don't be surprised if they put Sean Darcy on the bench. <clears throat> but, yeah, well, I the same. They like to do that. They like to put another rack on the bench, don't they? I think Hickey. I think he's had a great year. He has. He has, Tom Mickey. Yeah, yeah but is he an all Australian year is the question. Well, we're just comparing him to Sean Darcy at the moment. And I'm kind of saying I think that he's been more consistent than Sean Darcy. 
Yeah, but I think there's Gorn and Daylight um, to the next oh, call. Oh, absolutely there is. Yeah. Absolutely there is. But the trend of the last, however long, is they pick a second ruck on the bench. Well, that seems to be the trend in the normal games anyway, is you have two ruckmen anyway. Yeah, I don't think right. I don't I, I, even after all that even after all that I don't think Gorn is Melbourne's ideal captain. No, I don't think so. I don't either. think he has it. I don't think he has that come with me demeanor. I think um, Stephen May does. Working though, I mean they're on top of yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm nitpicking, um, but I think Stephen May is a probably a bit more of a captain's personality than Gorn is. Um, it's, it's if, it, if it ain't broke, Jeremy. Yep. But uh, uh, as that old saying goes, if you're not first, you're last. Is that right, That's right. Yes, that's right. So um, bear in mind, I think it's time to end this so I can um, close down the meeting and cry due to um, blindness. Um, bullied. Bullied, so, bullied, bullied by two Geelongs and boys. I'm just going to say I loved every bit of that. That oh, was so was good. That was so it. good. Mm. Honestly, I just felt like it was verbal Twitter. That's what I've been putting up with all week. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's um, gold. I'm sorry. Um, apologies um, to Max King if he ever happened to stumble on our podcast. That um, a couple of panel members don't think that you um, had your long stitched up until you got injured. But uh, we 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 polite we politely disagreed, and you. So this is where you take it from zero to a hundred. No one, is, no one's saying that <clears throat> he's not a good player or he's not going to be a star. He will be a star. He's not quite there yet. But I'm just saying that he came off the ground for a limited time, <clears throat> and we also had seven players of our best out. But you know, I'm not going to use that like. You know, you didn't mention that. I was talking about and the formula on the game, on the night. And wasn't there. Yeah, and, and use pair have demonstrated why sometimes Geelong are despised by certain people. Anyway. No, no, I thought I was well, quite polite. You despise me, mate. You despise me. For who, for I don't despise party. you. I said but, the football club. But I'm <laughs> saying he had, he had a good start to the game. He didn't finish it off. Because he got injured and was carrying the injury on the ground. Okay, but our best player and the best defender in the league wasn't playing. So do you think it That's might because be Steve Stephen May doesn't play for Geelong. That's right. We're Stephen May doesn't play for Geelong. Yeah, he's clearly a better player than Stephen May. Uh, uh, this has been so much fun. I love it. I think next time we might have to um, see if... Um, for Mr. a team that's just been nowhere near it for so long, they're very, <laughs> very, very, very loud. Who? Oh, take that. <laughs> Who? I'm not, I'm not throwing any barbs at any club uh, with, with the series we got covered up. I'm just uh, saying oh, very cool. See, it, it's comments like that that actually make people wish with their voodoo dolls that Geelong <laughs> get bent over. But anyway, yeah, I mean, we've already got seven of our best players out leading into a final series. We won't get any finals at home. Of course, like, of course, things might not go our way. And I'm well and truly aware of that. It's, you know, I don't have the rose colored glasses on thinking we're going to walk into a premiership like it's the easiest thing in the world. We're lucky if we get through our first final. So let's just, you know, I might. I might just put Woody on the spot. Did you watch any of the Geelong St Kilda game the other night? No, nah, I was at work. I was going to hit you up to say, um, did they have an answer for the 
that period of time I was talking about, but um, you didn't watch it. So yeah, I just want to try <coughs> and so we're, we're obviously winding down now and I just want to try and end this on a positive note on something that we can all agree on. So can we all just please take a minute to laugh at Richmond? Yes. Uh, uh, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Oh, fantastic. No, because yes. I'm not going to pot shot them because they'll be back next season. Oh, well, that's a long time away now. Yeah, that's, that's, Let's that's, enjoy it. Let's just enjoy it. Screw it, I'm pot shotting them. They're going to miss Dave Asprey, I can tell you that. Yeah, gee, that was a shock, wasn't it? I don't, I don't actually necessarily agree that they will be 100% guaranteed to be back to where they were the year before this Probably one. Probably not to where they were, but they'll certainly be in contention, I, I would have thought. You've got to remember they've got an ageing list now that they've had their um, three-peat or three and so four years or whatever it was. I, I think <laughs> that they we've might had, be... We've had an ageing list since 2011. And then they've lost their best player, so... There might be a bit of uh, discontent amongst some of the players, and I wouldn't be surprised if a few want to leave. Yeah. Oh, wow. What, what do you put that down to, Woody? I base that on the whole uh, Damien Hardwick, um, Mrs. Hardwick split in his, in his marriage because uh, Mrs. Cochin and Mrs. Hardwick, from all accounts, are pretty good mates, um, which means Trent Cochin... Had to pick a side, and you've got the captain on one side and the coach on the other, which means every single player is caught in the middle. And I reckon that has a fair bit to do with their season derailing. And, and Benny, Benny Gale would get rid. That would make sense. If I mean, we don't know if it's true or not. But oh, that's that's just me looking from the outside in. Yeah, if and, it is um, true. and plus their indiscretions as well. Let's talk about those. I mean, there was another one just the other day. Um, oh, Dion Prestia. With Dion Prestia. Yep. I, I just think they're, they're slowly getting renowned. They're not as harmonious yeah. as they once were. Yeah, they, I they think, and your discretions add up, and it's just, it, there's kind of something dicey. Got reasons. Might be um, a discussion for another time. We're sort of pushing, pushing the limits of. Uh, speaking of pushing the limits, Tim, did you want to uh, shout out to Josh and Zaggy too? Well, that's what I was about ready to do after you <laughs> guys um, continued your waffling. Um, I'd just like to um, point out that uh, Josh Watson will be editing the uh, World War Three podcast that we've just produced, and he will utilise the tunes, the velvet tunes of Zaggy 2. So that's all that wonderful music in at the start, the, in, the um, halfway mark and the outro. So, uh, Woody, uh, thank you for sitting back and laughing like you were at a stand-up um, comedy routine. Um, oh, it was sensational. <clears throat> um, Jeremy, thank you for having great 2020 vision when it comes to football. Always. Three sets of eyes. Yeah. And, Mel, thanks for highlighting that there were seven um, players injured from Geelong the other night. Say no. Say no. Don't forget. Just that. Just facts. Just, yeah, anyway, facts um, are written by the winners, um, like history is. So read into that whatever you want, um, listeners. <laughs> it's time to say hooroo. But before we say hooroo officially, Woody, what are the ways to contact and let us know that Tim was right and Jeremy and Mal were totally off? Um, I don't know where you'll find those, but um, I can tell you that you can find us on Facebook. Just search NPO Sports Podcast, Twitter at NPO Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, NPO Podcast at gmail 
www.thepodcast.com. All right. Well, hopefully I don't have any technical issues like I did on the other episode that we did recently. Other than that, it's goodbye from myself. Goodbye from me. And, and, and from me as well. Thanks, guys. <laughs>